Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Pastor Dave. Hello, Cecilia. How are you? I'm well, and yourself? I am good. I am very excited, in fact. Ooh, what brings such excitement to your life today? Uh, we have a whole half hour. A whole I half mean, hour? a whole half hour full of time that True. we can use to, to talk about Jude and about... about but you know, we were, Cecilia... We were talking about angels last week, and I mean, it was so much fun, but we ran out of going time. Going on, and, you're using up that 30 minutes. I bet we're down to 29, if not 28 already. Uh, but, but, but I like... Talking. If you keep on talking, we'll go down to 27, too. Talk about angels, please. Sure. Now, before we do that exciting thing of talk about angels, we need to first recap what brought us into that whole discussion. In the book of Jude, we had um, summarized in a simple way the message of Jude that he was telling the people, contend for the faith because some had slipped in and these were ungodly men and they changed the grace of God and were denying Jesus. And then uh, we had read verses 5, 6, and 7. I'd like to reread that. And in, in these verses, he even describes the three characteristics of these ungodly men. And I'll note them as we go. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt. And that's mentioned because it emphasizes what grace is. God's action to deliver us out of slavery and bondage. They couldn't do it. The people couldn't do it. The, the, uh, the, the Pharaoh had them lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, uh, man, woman, child, animal in chains, working hard. And they couldn't get out. But God delivered them. That's grace, okay? But later destroyed those who did not believe. And he destroyed them who were dividing. And, and we'll read later on a couple examples of some of the Israelites who were dividing and trying to, oh, don't follow Moses, but follow me and, and, and such. So that's why, even though God was gracious, division occurred. And the angels who did not Keep their positions of authority, but abandon their own homes. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. This is number two, that these men who have slipped in, not only do they divide, but secondly, they're not even spiritual. They don't understand spiritual things, and one of the spiritual things are angels. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but got one more verse to read. In the same way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. And that's the third uh, thing that talks about these ungodly men who slipped in. They follow their natural instincts. And he used Sodom and Gomorrah as an example of an obvious one to the sexual pleasures 
but there's any other instincts that uh, it could be any one of that pleases and taunts and 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 uh, seeks to gain satisfaction through uh, the the senses taste touch smell sight and sound when these ungodly men slip in these are the three ways you'll know them and with that now we can turn to the more talk about angels People have been very curious and interested in angels. And uh, yeah. in um, Revelation uh, chapter 12, verses 8 and 9, we read about the war in heaven. And uh, Michael and his angels, Michael is the uh, archangel, one of them, and uh, Satan and his angels fought a huge battle. And it says that the dragon was cast down to the earth. Everybody and, likes a war story, don't mm-hmm. they? Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. And then in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Yeah. Um, we don't know a lot. There's just references here and there. And I'd like to look at the Isaiah section where Isaiah seems to be talking about the the fall of Satan. It's in Isaiah chapter 14, if you can flip there. And as you're flipping there, I'll just lay some background. Technically and most properly, the chapter 14 of Isaiah is talking about Sargon II. That's S-A-R-G-O-N II. Who was Sargon II? (laughs) He's king of Assyria. And he literally, well, he reigned from 721 to 705, and he That's basically... BC. BC, right, right. And, and Sargon II was one of the more cruel and dominating uh, kings of the time. Assyrians, of course, were the, the most wicked and cruel of all nations. Mm-hmm. And... Um, He, probably of them all, had great sway and domination, and he thought himself to be uh, really Lord of the universe. And, and, well, the interesting thing is, he fell in battle. Oh, it's a terrible thing for a a king to fall in battle. Such shame and embarrassment. Yeah, that's like your banner, the, the thing that you're fighting for. And this is probably why you don't know much about him. The Bible doesn't speak a lot about him because Sennacherib didn't want to talk about the embarrassment of his family that his father died in battle. They couldn't give him a proper kingly burial and on and on it goes. And everybody around literally was cheerful and joyful when Sargon II died. Okay, Isaiah... 14 describes a king on the earth who thought himself to be God but fall. But there is a parallel. And that's why we're referring to this. Now, as you read, listeners, pay attention to the word you and then the word I. And you might want to even count them as you go. Oh, and, and again, this first talking about Sargon with the, the echo or the background or the shadow of Satan and his fall. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Beginning at verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, 
I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. I hope you could see both a earthly king, but then Satan there. I counted three times that the writer said you to begin with. You uh, are brought down, laid low three times, and then five times that the word I was said. I will, I will, I will. With the one-fourth time you were brought down to the pit. Four is one of those earthly words Four seasons, four corners. Uh, four seems to be a number that relates to earth. And so this is about Sargon II, who is on earth. But it does kind of relate to something a bit more than that. And that's why there's five eyes, meaning Satan, who is laid low. God does not tolerate such arrogance. But Satan isn't laid low yet. Ah, but he is. He was, his power was destroyed. And he is, uh, Jude says, now coming back to Jude, chained up in hell till the final day. Go on. Okay. You're going to ask a question. You're right. Uh, Go ahead. But his power isn't destroyed. He's not in hell yet. We know that he will be after the judgment, but he's still very active in the world. Okay, I might be playing with words here, but do think about it. Satan was thrown out of the heaven where God is and put in the heavens of the earth. That's why there's two of them. Yes, he I is... I think I actually read that wrong. I said heavens instead of heaven as I was reading mm-hmm. that. So good thing you fixed that. Mm-hmm. So he is limited. He cannot go in heaven anymore. He's gone. He's banished. We've actually talked about that in, in um, um, Job also. Unless God commands him to be there or something. Like Correct. That. Like in court. And he mm-hmm. did. But then he banished him again. Yep. Um, the words chained and powered, chained in hell, is making a reference to separated from God. That's what hell is. Mm-hmm. Chain. If you're chained, Cecilia, can you get up and walk free? Certainly not. Can you do jumping jacks? Uh, Probably no. not. And so it means that you are held at bay. You cannot do as you want. You are a slave. Really, um, the, the devil and the angels are spirits. Our earthly chains can't hold them? Of course not. It, it's a different, it's a whole different... Um, 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 it's a whole uh, different re- uh, uh, dimension. Re- dimension, thank you. But we're using the earthly word of chain to help understand what happens in that spiritual dimension. And that is that their power is limited. They are not free to do what they want. Because if they did, they would be torturing us. Yes. Now, doesn't mean that they are powerless completely. They can sit on our shoulder and say, Hey, 
hey, did God really say the day you eat of that apple, you'll surely die? No. Go ahead. Eat of it. Eat that extra cookie. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Have that extra uh, cinnamon roll. Spend, Go ahead. Spend that extra money that you really don't have. But to say the devil made me do it, mm-mm. not really. No. No. That, he can tempt. And then it's our sinful nature that goes, okay, and, and, and we do it. We're the ones who sin, not the devil. So to summarize, mm-hmm. the power of Satan and mm-hmm. his followers, mm-hmm. the demons, is not totally destroyed yet, but it is limited. Limited to the point of almost total destruction. Especially for a Christian. Mm, Absolutely. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Again, the victory of Jesus Christ. Correct. Correct. And that's what troubled Jude, because people were slipping into the assembly and denying Jesus as both God and man, the Savior. And that troubled him greatly, because that's where we have our rescue, and we have not only salvation, but then protection. And that's, if you remember, we'll get to this again, we are kept in Jesus. That's our protective power. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the one who protects us. Not, not that I can swing and wield Jesus and bop the devil on the head. And Jesus bops him on the head. Yeah. Not us. And now coming back to uh, the actual book, uh, specifically with the verses as we move on, remember the three characteristics of these ungodly men. And they are? They divide. Divide. They don't have the spirit. They don't have the spirit of God. And they're going on natural instinct. Natural instincts, yep. That which feels good to the body and all the senses. Okay, let's read on verses 8 and following. In the very same way... These dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. We'll come back to this, but you can see right there there's three. Bang, bang, bang. We'll touch on them again. Go on. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. All right. Yeah, I know. You're going to ask a bunch of questions. We're going to move on, but I'll just say at this moment, the devil loves to divide, and that's why this is brought up, and it's base. But we'll talk more about that. So not even, if you're spiritual, you don't divide. That's what's here. Read on. We'll come back. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand. And... What things they do understand, by instinct, like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. And, and they're the, the animals, the very things that destroy them. Have you ever seen an animal eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and not know how to stop eating and eating and eating and they almost blow up? Boom! Yeah, well, well wolves, for instance, they, uh. they have the habit of, of feast, 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 until they just can't hold any more, and then they sleep forever. 
Well, there's some animals that don't even do that. I mean, mm. wolves can survive, but there's certain animals that should stop, don't stop, and it can kill them. Like, like even domesticated dogs? Right. Mm. Yes. And that's why most people know to only give the animals so much. It's not just for the overweight thing. If you leave food down on unstoppable, they would eat and eat and eat. And uh, Remember the gar- cartoon Garfield? Uh, yes. And he'd always want to eat that big lasagna. Uh huh, all the time. Well, that, that's what they're talking about here the carnal, the instincts, just going off of that. Okay, we've read all through. Now let's start over and reread verse 8, and then we'll stop at, uh, and we'll, we'll get to your question again. Okay. So, verse 8. In the very same way. These dreamers. Dreamers. Okay. I wanted to stop you there because there's an allusion to, and it's not clear that um, these people were not just leaders who were sliding in, but, um, I mean, men, ungodly, but they could have been leaders. They could have been having visions. And Judah's actually doing a slam here. Or claiming to have visions. That's right. Or it's just a dream, like they're sleeping at night and they're dreaming. It's not really a vision from God. Uh, another translation that we read said something about who claim authority by their dreams. Mm-hmm. I, I found that interesting because mm-hmm. now, like you said, they're saying, well, I'm a prophet. You need to listen to me, even right. if it really wasn't from God. Right, right. Okay. okay. These dreamers pollute their own bodies. And again, that would be the uh, physical, carnal, whatever it might be. Reject authority. And that's where they divide people. Because if you reject authority, that means you're going to have divisions. And, and, and uh, uh, whether it be uh, on earth or on the, in the church. Might it even have been something like, oh, you don't have to listen to, to the Roman laws. Right. Or, uh, to Caesar. Well, right. It could be. And then that- you'd have some doing it and some not. So again, it creates division. Mm-hmm. And slander celestial beings. The slander right. celestial beings, this is the uh, spiritual thing. They're, they're speaking against spiritual beings that they don't know anything about. We and talked I, about mm-hmm. the angels mm-hmm. uh, a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. But we still don't know much about them, as we said. Mm-hmm. So basically they're trying to claim that they know something about these angels and they really don't right okay and then but even the archangel michael when he was disputing with the devil about the body of moses did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him but said the lord rebuke you now what what is this all about? Well, I'll be happy to tell you, but first, I'm sorry, I have to go have a cup of coffee. So, Pastor Dave... Now that you've had your coffee... Mmm, I like coffee. I know. Do you feel better? Yeah, some, yeah. Oh, good. Well, while you've been having coffee, I've been doing research. Uh Uh-oh, she's been doing research. I love research. 
Yes. What did you find? And, uh, well, here is what we know. Uh, we're talking again about... The body of Moses. body of Moses and the angel and the fight. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm with you now. So here's what we know. We don't know. <laughs> uh, we looked at commentaries, and the commentaries do agree that there was some book, and uh, Jude was referring to this book, and we don't have that book. Oh. And that book referred to the body of Moses, but we don't have the answers as to exactly what they were referring to. And, you know, it's a good point to bring up uh, uh, that there are other books that didn't make it into the Bible, many of which we don't have. They make reference to it in the Old Testament, too. Mm -hmm. And God deliberately had those things destroyed because he didn't want them to come into our hands to just fill us with the fanciful thoughts. He wanted us to have the basic answers of salvation, everything we need, and not confuse us with other stuff. So that's why some of those things aren't here. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, one thing that it might have been that this body of Moses reference might have been about is that Moses died on the mountain and God buried him up there. It could be that the devil wanted to give Moses a grand public funeral. Now, you'd think that would be a nice gesture, right? <laughs> the devil doesn't do nice gestures. No, he doesn't. No. He might have wanted to do that because then the people oh. of Israel would have had a place to go to. And venerate, to venerate him and How worship him. How many people go to Graceland for, or Elvis to, or, or to uh, where other people have died? And if they did that, then they wouldn't be? They wouldn't be worshiping God. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that would, remember when I cut you off real quick and I did say with the angel didn't want to uh, have anything to do with it. It's just a simple example of division. Wow, that would have created huge division if yes. if, if they had a, a, a funeral and they knew where it was. Okay. Okay. Possibility number two mm-hmm. is that the body of Moses might refer to the Jewish church or the Jewish people as a whole. Oh. Just as we talk about the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. the body of Moses, the corporate people that follow him. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, that could create division. Uh, Division, the devil's always trying to create division among uh, the the, uh, The people people of God. God. Yes. Okay. A third possibility finds its origins in the book of Numbers, chapter 20. Verses 7 through 14. Hmm. Moses was the leader of the Israelites, leading them out of Egypt. And God told him to speak to the rock, and water would come out. Because the Israelites were saying, we need water. It was very dry in the desert. I remember that many times, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Moses took his staff and struck the rock. Bang! And made some comments to the people about, you rebellious people. Oh, that's right. And because of that, God said... You will not enter the promised land. Yes. Ah. Mm -hmm. Now, we may think that's fair and we may not think that's fair, but that was God's choice. Okay. So this arguing over the body of Moses was the devil saying, hey, he sinned, the great leader, I get him. That's it. Ah, oh. and the angel's response, of course, 
that's not going to happen. <laughs> the Lord rebuke you. The Lord you. rebuke you. But he didn't say it because Michael said so. He said it because God said so. Because the Lord is full of grace, yes. mercy, and compassion and forgiveness, even for the great leader who is a sinner too. So whichever theory you like and and doesn't really matter which one you subscribe to, we'll know in heaven. It's all about division. The devil wants to cause division between the Jewish people and God, between the Jewish people and themselves, between God and his angels, between the angels and the angels, whatever. But it's all division. There's a couple phrases in our modern language that are just kind of fun and interesting, like plain as the nose on your face. Uh, well, when you hear that, what is it you think that means? Oh, well, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, um, uh, I finally found my keys in the last place I looked. <laughs> well, it means that they were probably right in your hand in the first place. So, we look at Jude here, and there is something that is obvious that sometimes we overlook. If you look, go back to verse 9. Okay. It's the verbs. What is the verb used when it speaks? We talked and talked about the body of Moses, but really the whole point of this was the angel and what to the devil. What's the verb? Okay. I'm going to read slowly here, but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing disputing with the devil. Okay, now go back to verse 3. Okay, verse 3. Remember disputing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And read verse 3. This is what uh, Jude was his primary mandate to his readers. Okay. Uh, I assume you don't mean about Jude wanting to write to the people. Um, Correct. uh, He had to write, to urge you to contend. That's the verb. Ah. Contend what? For the faith. Contend for the faith. I'm not sure. I didn't take time to look to see if they're the exact Greek words. Although I did look, um, and several other translations actually use in both places similar words. Uh, I think it was the ESV, English Standard Version, in verse 9, where it says that when the angel Michael contended for the body of Moses. The same as, we should be contending for the faith. The real key here is the devil wants to divide, but what does the angel do? He contends. And what does Jude tell us to do? Contend for the faith. So how do we... And, oh, and, and then the last thing, with this verb, contend, it can mean dispute. Some translations actually in verse 9 say argue over the body. It really means to have a battle, mm, a fight. It does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's a knockdown, uh, maybe with words, but it's a battle, it's a fight. And... And so we're supposed to be fighting for the faith. When we fight for the faith, 
when Michael fought for the body of Moses, what did uh, the angel use for his weapons? What did he do? He said, the Lord rebuke you. Michael didn't rebuke Satan. Yeah. He said, the Lord rebuke you. Yeah. Yeah, and so when we contend for the faith, that's what we need to be doing too, turning to the Lord and his words. When Jesus was in the, in the desert being tempted by the devil, did God really say you should, uh, why not turn these stones into bread? What did Jesus do? Did he turn those stones into bread? No. What did he do? He said, the word of God also says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. He used the word of God to contend with the devil, to contend for the faith. It's the word of God that lets us stand against the devil. That in the next verse of verse, I think it was verse 4, talked about, or 5, we, we talked last week about the devil being chained up in hell. This is how he remains chained and has no power over us. Remember, it's not a physical chain, but a matter of his authority and power over us. He doesn't have power over us when we have the word of God. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us, we tremble not, we fear no ill, they shall not overpower us. This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will, he can harm us none. He's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fail him. Again, thanks so much for coming to Room 4216. We've had a great time with you. Next week, we'll continue with the study of the book of Jude. If you'd like to drop an email to me, please do, or to Cecilia, it's at info, I-N-F-O, at not-alone.net, and remember, you're not alone. Do come back again to room 4216. Credits, interlude music, Terry Nord, Robert Vaughn. The hymn, Almighty Fortress, sung by Cecilia from Lutheran Service Book, LSB, number 656, Concordia Publishing House.